Okay, James. <laughs> say, so who's your sponsor? All right. Who's our sponsor today, Seth? Great. Glad you asked. Introducing the Invisible Ceiling Fan, the world's first ceiling fan that you cannot see. That's right. With our revolutionary new technology, you won't even know the fan is there. <laughs> but wait, there's more. Our Invisible Ceiling Fan doesn't just blend seamlessly into your ceiling. It also doesn't produce any breeze. That's right. It's the perfect addition to any room where you don't actually want to feel cooler or more comfortable. And if you act now, we'll throw in our silent operation feature absolutely free. That's right. You won't even hear the fan spinning because it's not actually doing anything. (laughs) So why wait? Get your invisible ceiling fan today and enjoy all the benefits of not having a ceiling fan at all. At first, I was like, isn't this just called The Wind? <laughs> Welcome back to another episode. Um, one of the things about this podcast that is really cool is, yeah, it's an opportunity to tell stories and have fun and laugh a lot, obviously. But the other thing is kind of having a record of what God is teaching us and what we're learning from the Word and things we might be learning from Scripture or our time with prayer with God. And today we kind of got into a little bit more of that side of things. We started out with a really funny story about the time I stalked a woman. It's not as bad as it sounds. And then Seth and I followed up with a really interesting discussion around what it means to fear the Lord. Um, So I hope today is fun, but also encouraging. And as always, thanks for listening. That was the worst hat. Oh, well. (laughs) You're not supposed to dit, diss the sponsor. It's a great sponsor, though. They gave us good. They gave us. They gave us really good um, funds. That's funny. Yeah. All right. So, you want to hear the story of how I uh, found the person who cuts my hair? By the look of your hair, I didn't even know you'd <laughs> you'd ever found that person. I am uh, currently waiting for a haircut right now. But, um, okay, so... He's that good? She. My hair has always been very, like, finicky. So, growing up... I think that's the word most barbers use. Yeah. Finicky. What's your hair like? Uh, it's not really curly or straight. It's finicky. Yeah. Finicky. Very finicky. I have a calyx. You know what calyx are? <laughs> yeah. Like, when you go out into the garden and they get calluses on your hands? No, not calluses. No, my, yeah, my hair's callous. I got man's hair. <laughs> Um, no, cowlicks. That's yeah, what my family... Yeah, cowlicks. Yeah, that's what my family calls yeah. it. I don't know if that's still a thing. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, that's what I call it. Okay, cool. Probably a white person. Anyways. <laughs> so, they... I have, like, cowlicks on the back of my head and the front and stuff. So, it can be difficult to cut. And also very fine hair. So, if you mess up a haircut, if you mess something up, you can tell. Like, it has to be well blended. It doesn't... You can't hide mistakes. So you have thin hair. Well, my hair is thinning, which is a separate topic. Well, not really a separate topic. My hair see, is thinning. I could see you bald. But no, you do not want to see me bald. If I go bald, I am wearing a hat all the time. Anyways, so my sister went to cosmetology school growing up. Going to drop your modeling contract? Yeah. I'm just going to be a hand model. <laughs> um, Joy, Switch careers. Joy went to Bob Jones for cosmetology. 
and there's here's some bonus stories for you. She was in cosmetology school, and I was the um, guinea pig for her a little bit. And Joy is your older sister? Joy, yeah, everyone's my oldest. I'm the youngest. Okay. So, Joy is the middle I sister. I didn't know if this was your I, crush or not. I, if my what? Were your crush. No, she's my sister. Oh, I'm just saying, there's a reason... My my what, question is what? justified. No, it's not justified. <laughs> Dude, you've talked about how many crushes now? We're only like six episodes. I said in. my sister. No, you had to I had to specify that. No, I said my sister, Joy. Anyway. <laughs> I think you're trying to cover up the fact that you had a crush on your sister at one point. Well, I don't have a sister. Oh, okay, never mind. Dude, I I really wanted a sister growing up. Yeah. Like I prayed for it. Oh, I read sad. this book once of this guy, and he had a twin sister. Man, I wish I remember the name. But I was obsessed because they were twins. Mm. Oh, I, w- I really wished I had a sister. I was part of a twin. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> Did you know that? So, so anyway, totally, totally <laughs> off topic of your story. But there was like this one, um, I remember going on a bus ride. <laughs> And, like, there was this girl that was, like, older than me significantly. And there was no, like, like, um, I was young, too, right? Probably, like, eight or nine. And, like, I, like, really, that was, like, that point in my life when I really wanted a sister. I just don't know why. So you adopted this grandma on a bus? (laughs) That's right. Will you be my sister? She was, like, 20. It was, like, the perfect. You know, she was probably, like, 18, 19, 20. I have no idea. Looking back, no idea. Mm -hmm. But, like... I just remember really wishing that she was my older sister. Wow. That's the story. <laughs> That's incredibly sad. <laughs> Sorry. I wanted one. I remember, looking back, now that is incredibly awkward to ask for every year, but every year I would ask for a sister. <laughs> but I never got one. Wow. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Anyways. Um, to your sister, no, definitely not jealous here. Yeah. I had three. <laughs> oh, come on, come on, man. Um, middle sister, uh-huh. she went to school cosmetology at Bob Jones, and she would learn these techniques and stuff. And then she would come home, and she would ask to, like practice on me. And so she got to the point where she eventually was the one who I like would cut my hair, but when she was in college, there were some rough stretches. She got a new pair of scissors, like professional scissors. And she's like, can wow. I, can I try like my new scissors? Yeah. Cause we always use like the cheap crappy ones from Walmart or Crayon get, we would, we, we, yeah, the safety scissors. <laughs> Won't cut anything. <laughs> Ow, this really hurts. <laughs> it's called uh, it's actually called thinning shears. <laughs> yeah. We, we have those too. But, um, she... Those things are the worst. They are. They suck. <laughs> like, I can't imagine doing it in my hair now. I first, time, first time, we would go to this place, $5 haircut. And you paid for it, too. You got what you paid for? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But my dad wouldn't do anything else, bro. He <laughs> yeah. wouldn't, because my mom didn't want to cut her hair. Yeah. And my dad wouldn't cut her hair. So 15 bucks, get all three kids. Yeah, there you go. And, like, one time, it was always two in the size, scissors on the top. Because they had my sleep. Two in the side scissors on the top. <laughs> that was what we got. It's like basically a buzz cut, but not yeah. quite. <laughs> well, Two in the side scissors on the top. Growing up, my dad would always say, oh, I'm getting hot just looking at you. We're going to buzz your hair. And I hated buzz cuts. Like, oh, it's the worst. Because yeah. my 
I always wanted to like look cooler and buzz cuts oh, just yeah. look so dumb. Wow, yeah. And so I would try to do everything to avoid my dad being like, all right, time to buzz your head. So, so you let your sister cut your well, hair. Well, literally that was better than, okay, the alternative is just we get the shears out, put yeah. a put a half inch guard on there and take it <laughs> all down. Town. Yeah. So she, when she went to cosmetology school, I was like, right, listen, I will go this route instead if that means I can keep some hairstyle. Probably shouldn't have done that until she got some experience under her belt because she got these new scissors and they were the professional kind. She's like, can I try these out? I'm like so excited. It's like, yeah, sure. So she kept cutting and I was noticing the haircut was taking a lot longer than oh, normal. Yeah. And she keeps going, going, going. And I'm, I'm like, <laughs> do you have a mirror? But she, yeah. Well, she's doing this from the mirror. And I can't really notice. I can't really tell, but she keeps going. And then at one point she goes, can we just buzz it? <laughs> I was like, Joy. That is the end of the world. <laughs> the whole reason I'm letting you do this so I don't have to buzz it. She's like, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I was like, did you get scissor happy? Like, she was so excited to use these new scissors. She just kept going. Anyways, the other time, the other thing she did was, have you ever seen, like, when a girl gets her hair dyed or, like, colored or I've highlighted? I've never seen that. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you don't have a sister. Sorry. Yeah, I've never seen any other person either with dyed hair. Okay. What is that? <laughs> what type of question is that? No, I mean like the process of how they get the like highlights in their hair. Yeah, they like stick their head in the, in the sink, right? <laughs> no. the dye. Uh, well, the first thing is they would, they put this cap on, and this cap has like holes in it, and then they pull certain strands of hair through the holes. Yeah, I don't think that's how everybody does it. Okay. But. Well, anyways. At the cosmetology school, they gave her this cap thing. Yeah. She goes, <laughs> she dyed your hair. She goes, let me give you highlights. And this is like just past frosted tips, 90s. Like we're past that stage. Now, I did never got a frosted tips, but like that being cool. But for some reason, I thought, yeah, this is a good idea. I'm, this, this is what I want. So she pulls, she puts this cap on me. I am okay with you. <laughs> yeah. She pulls my hair through the cap and I've got like, Little stub sticking through. Does that hurt? No, it's just like weird because I've got just. Yeah. Anyways, and she puts the stuff on my hair, lets it sit, and she lets it, lets it sit too long, and <laughs> um, it was blonde, like like frosted, like it wasn't very. Yeah. And then she had to put other color dye on there to try to darken it. And it was just just back and forth. It ended up with like this like orangish tint. Through my hair. Just cut it off. Did you buzz it? <laughs> I know. That wasn't even the word. That actually wasn't as bad as... Then there was one... This was like years and years later. My... She stinks at her job. <laughs> <laughs> this is years later. She's still butchering your no, hair? No, that was early. How did she get hired? That was early when she was in school. Then years later, it was just this on a whim thing. I was like, oh, you remember when you dyed my hair or whatever? And she was like... Yeah, there's this new technique I've learned or whatever where I can just dye the front, like just this part, right above your forehead. Oh my god. And I'll do the low and then it'll like bleed through. We should do that. It would like it was my birthday actually. Into your skin? No, it was like you dyed this part, like underneath here, and then you would see it because I would do this with my hair or whatever. I would like go to the side. I don't know what the plan was. Did not work at all. It turned orange. Like yeah. orangish red. And then it just, we left it like that. It was like, oh, well, that didn't work like we were expecting. Sorry, James. <laughs> yeah. I gotta go home. Yeah. And then, I actually don't know if I've ever told Joy this. She hasn't, I don't know if she listens to the podcast. She said she would, but if she does, she'll you find out. Some people. And then there was, like, pathological there was, liars. There was a couple of months later, 
it was still like that or like a month and a half and my, my sister-in-law a month and a half and then my sister-in-law goes did you dye your hair and i was like yeah joy did it on my birthday and she goes does not look good <laughs> i will be honest with you it looks horrible and i was like thank you thanks i, I appreciate that were you uh, dating at that point time to buzz it yeah i was dating stephanie okay well then at least you know yeah, stephanie was like whatever you. Anyways. Well, I'm about to say, I so, mean, I'm just saying, like, at least you know Stephanie loves you. Yeah. Stephanie didn't marry me for my good car, hairstyles. Or my hair. Car. Yeah. There was, everything was actively working. <laughs> facial structure. I we mean, she could have gone with is, your older brother. No, we could, this is enough. We can stop with the list. Um, yeah, everything was working against me. So. So, how did that happen? I learned my lesson from Morgan and I bribed no, 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 her with no. $1,000. How on earth did you marry Stephanie. I just told you. Oh, you I learned my I learned my lesson from Morgan. I gave her a thousand. Apparently, twenty wasn't enough. I have to give her a thousand dollars every morning. Is that why you got a job? Yeah. yeah, I was like, I need to get a good job because this marriage is costing me <laughs> three hundred sixty-five grand a year. That's right. I actually have four jobs. <laughs> three of them she doesn't know about. This podcast is the fourth. Yeah. we monetize it. That's right. Oh my word. Anyways. Um so Joy was the one once she got good at her job, she was the one who I trusted to cut my hair because it was either her or the buzz cut. So through high school, everything while she was in town, she cut my hair for years. And I trusted her because she would she would do good jobs, she knew my hair, she knew where and how to do it. Fast forward, I don't remember how many years, whatever. She gets married, has kids. They moved to Georgia to minister. Yeah, so it was literally like, all right, this is, we would go down there or she would come up here and we would do her, but it was getting harder and harder to coordinate that, right? So it got to the point where my hair got super long. Like my length? I don't have hair like yours. I always wanted curly hair. It's the best. I seriously you always wanted... You could absolutely wanted, do nothing with it, and it just looks fine. Yeah, I always wanted that. Like, I could just whatever. Well, I have very straight hair, and so it just kept getting longer and longer. I yeah. need to find the photo. <laughs> it's amazing. You just look like the Tin um, Man, the Scarecrow. So... <laughs> the hat with, like, spikes I'll find it. Up. I'll find it after I show you. Yeah. It's very long. Like, I have to, like, part it... There's pictures. This is right after Stephanie and I got married. There's pictures where it looks like I'm wearing a wig. Literally. <laughs> it's so Whoa. long. And you it's had this just during your wedding? No, this was after my wedding. So it's, oh, okay. it's like shortly. It probably sure. was from my... So we got married in May of 2015. This was probably seven months of growth. I was 15 years old. When I got married? Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for making me feel old. Anyways... You were born in 2000? 1999. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> James is totally thrown off. I, like, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Okay. You had no idea how old I was. No, I did not. I knew you were younger than me, but anyway. I mean, you're only 28. You could have been like a flower boy in my you wedding. You were 20, right? I was 20. <laughs> yeah, I could have been a flower boy. I was a flower boy in my brother's wedding. This is a side note. They got married in Charleston. In jeans like you? No, listen. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, they had a very fancy, nice wedding. Yeah, so did my older brother. Kind of obnoxious, actually. Yeah. They got married in Charleston. We're top of this hotel, super pretty, but super windy, yeah. right? I 
was there. how old was I? I was probably ten or eleven, maybe eleven. Yeah, see, I feel like that's young enough to be a flower boy, not fifteen. Okay, but here's the thing: I was walking down, I think her cousin just, or something. Are you supposed to be a ring bearer though? No, I was a groomsman, and I was walking down the aisle with this other girl. She had a bouquet. She was supposed to be the flower girl to throw the rose petals. We were the last one before you my kept sister picking them up. Out. What are you doing? <laughs> what a waste! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't understand the concept at all. So, but she had a bouquet, and then the the wedding coordinator were like, "We're about to go down." We even practiced this. We practiced in the in the rehearsal. She threw the flowers. Well, I'm holding the basket for her. So I've got my arm. She's interlocked with my arm. I'm holding the basket. She's supposed to reach in, throw the petals. She's got a bouquet. She doesn't know what to do. And I'm like, I don't remember her name. I was like, you need to you throw the petals. She's like, I'm not going to throw the petals. She was like scared to or something. I, I don't know why. But we're literally about to go down. My sister-in-law is about to walk down behind us. So we go down. No flowers are being thrown. So I go, all right, I'm going to do this. So I reach in and I start throwing the petals down the aisle as they're walking down. I'm like, whatever. Uh, this is so embarrassing. But I remember I turned the You gotta corner. take care of the situation. <laughs> I gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. So I turn and my brother's standing there. He's about to see his wife coming down and I'm just reaching it. I look so embarrassed. Like the I did a fantastic job. Oh, like wow. the pictures, sure. perfectly distributed, yeah. nice timing, good flow. It was windy, so I had to time that. I'm like compensating for the wind. It was Pro move. Immaculate. Rachel, my sister-in-law, didn't find out I did it till like years later. She was like, you threw the flower? Like, yeah. She's like, they were so good. Yeah, I was a flower boy. So I got, I got teased for a while about being a flower boy. Anyways. Wow. We are That's going. what I was saying. Like, you're supposed to be not the flower boy. I know. I wasn't like, supposed to be the flower boy, but I, you know, sucked it up and I didn't want to ruin my brother's wedding. That's right. Anyways. You okay. So, sister, haircut, years later, Georgia, wig. We're back on track. My hair, probably seven months of growth. Okay. For my time. That's a long time. From the time I got my hair cut for my wedding, and then we're going into, actually probably longer than that, but I got it cut in like February of the next year. Really long, right? There might have been a haircut somewhere mixed in there, but it was it was accumulating. But that's, it just, uh, It's longer than seven months. Yeah, I know. That's why I said that might have been a haircut. Like, that's, I even said longer than seven months. Hush. I'm not good at math. Okay, so, but I didn't trust anyone else to cut my hair because it's so difficult. Like, Instead, you'd rather it look horrible. Yes, I will find the picture to show you after. Yeah, it I'm looked excited. awful, okay? But I knew I needed to get a haircut. So I went online and I found, like, okay, let's, what's a barber around here? Like, whatever. So I went yeah. to sports clips. The cheapest place One possible. The cheapest place. <laughs> Definitely going to get a good barber. <laughs> right? Barber okay, there. here's the deal, though. So I walk in. I explain the situation to this lady who walks in. <laughs> I am terrified of letting anyone touch my hair. <laughs> That's pretty much what I said. I will be a carrot <laughs> to anybody. <laughs> this looks awful. Do it again. <laughs> so I walk in, and there's this black lady there. She's super yeah. nice. And she... I sit down in her chair and I'm explaining the situation and she's like super understanding. What are you explaining? I'm explaining but this whole story of what I just told you about I haven't had my hair cut in so long. It's never this long. I need to take it way down. Here's what it normally looks like. Here's why it doesn't look that way because I don't trust 
people to cut my hair. So she's going into this with just confidence and ways. <laughs> yeah. She's like, either way I do this, this guy's going to love it. That's right. So she t- her name is Coco. Okay. okay. Super nice, awesome lady. Yeah. She's like, I got you. We'll, we'll get you back. She even was been like, yeah, it's looking pretty rough. Like, you're looking a little shabby. Yeah. Super friendly. So she does a fantastic job. Like, okay. completely Better than a gets joy? me back. I would say as bad as good as joy. Like, okay, I can. I didn't have any complaints. Let's put yeah. it that way. Right? So this is at Sports sport Clips. Like, right down the street from work. Super convenient. I found someone. So I, like, start going regularly to Coco. I'm always asking Coco, are you working today? I'm, like, calling ahead, booking an appointment. Yeah. Right? Then one day. Coco's not there. Coco's not there. <laughs> That's a bad day. Oh, dude. I'm like, this is horrible. I cannot allow this to happen. So yeah. I go in, I, I go in sport clubs. I ask for Coco. She's not there. And I was like, okay. Well, I, I needed a haircut. Yeah. And I'm like, Okay, well, if I had that much luck with Coco, maybe I can ask Try one of these other ladies. <laughs> maybe ask one of these other ladies. Candy cane. And <laughs> see. Well, Coco, and we'll get into this because the story takes a turn you're probably not expecting. Onion powder. Coco. <laughs> Coco is her nickname. Her real name was... Got it. Yep. Okay. I could say that again. So... And I'm using her real name because there's nothing negative about her in the story. And it's important for later, which we'll get to in a second. Okay. So, I go I'm in. assuming you just start searching listen, for cocoa online. I, listen, Couldn't find anything listen. but brownie recipes. <laughs> <laughs> just need a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... I remember the first time I met Coco, she told me that story. Like, oh, his name, like, my name's Coco. Like, well, that's a really unique name. But I couldn't remember her real name. Yeah. So here's my strategy. I'm going to go in. This lady tells me Coco's not here anymore. But I'm like, all right. So I book an appointment with her. We're talking. I'm telling her. We're having small talk. And I'm like, what was Coco's? Like, I remember Coco was a nickname. What was her real name? She's like, oh, her name was Coco. That's what it is. But I never saw her name, right? So I didn't know if it was a K or a C. So, this lady mutilates my hair. Just, <laughs> I mean, straight up horrible. Butchers the cowlick. It's sticking up every which way possible. Uh, she might as well have glued feathers to the back of my head. It was atrocious. What was her name? No, I forgot her name promptly. It was awful. It was, that's what you get when you go for a $5 haircut at Sports right. Clips, right? Kogo actually taught people how to cut hair. She taught at a school. Okay. So that's why I was a little Why more... was she working at sports clips? <laughs> well, she was like a manager there. Okay. Anyways, because I think she was still teaching at the school. So it was like okay. a part-time thing. Anyways, so this lady, I was like, well, that's obviously not in the works. I actually didn't ask her for Coco's real name until I checked out because I knew she failed the test. I'm like, not coming back to you. Put the hat on immediately. I know. <laughs> What's Coco's real name? <laughs> I, I asked her, I'm like, do you guys sell hats? <laughs> Toboggan. <laughs> Anything. Toboggan, wait, no. Yeah, it's not a sled. <laughs> I was going to go with it because I was like, maybe I don't know what hats are. A turban. <laughs> you guys sell sleds here? I would rather have a sled on my head <laughs> than be seen looking like this. 
Anyways, so what we're checking out, I was like, what What was Gogo's real name? She's like, oh, that's it. yeah, I'm, I'm going to miss her. <laughs> <laughs> but I had a plan. I was like, okay, that's a pretty unique name. Yeah. I could probably find. She probably, because I think this lady said that she like moved to like Great Clips or something. She like moved to a different store. So I'm like, okay. So I start calling around. And I'm like asking, is, is, is Coco there? Whatever. And no, I'm not getting anything. Like, what? No, she doesn't work at this store. So I'm like, crap. So I'm looking online. I'm trying to figure yeah. out like, where is this? Where I can't recipes? find it. So this is going on for a while where I'm like, I'm okay. I'm going to let my hair try to recover from the abuse it just took from, I think her name was Jenny. To come on, Always. Jenny. <laughs> and so <laughs> I'm, I've got a little bit of time. I need to find Coco. So I'm like. Trying on and off. This is your part time job. This is my part time. Okay. It gets to the point where I am basically trying to stalk this woman. Yeah. So then I get this idea and I remember because Joy went to cosmetology school and she was a cosmetologist that it's a requirement in South Carolina that all cosmetologists have to have a license. And I thought, you know what? There's probably a public record of. Registered cosmetologists in the state of South Carolina. Wow. So I go to the Department of Health. I go to their database. And sure enough, you can look at every registered cosmetologist in the state. This is police work. You sure you should be a programmer? I know. So I go through all the C's. No. I go through the K's. Nailed it. I found her last name. And I was like. This has got to be her. How many are there? Right. Find her. How did you know it was in Q? Well, because I found it in K. Didn't even think of you. <laughs> Probably should have. Found her on Facebook. Sent her a message. Right? Now, this hey. lady has cut my hair maybe three times. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Yes. I hope you didn't just, like, specify, spent the last six months looking for you. Finally found you. Went through seven databases. <laughs> so, I am not friends with her on Facebook. She's come my hair probably three, four times. So over the course of a couple months, maybe, you know, whatever, yeah. however many haircuts that is. We build up kind of a rapport. She met Stephanie, and we have good banter. This while is when you knew her? her? This is when she was working at sports clubs, yeah. right? So I felt there was a level of comfort of, like, you're not going to be totally weirded out by the fact that I found you on Facebook. Yeah. From no clues that you would have given me. Well, you have to understand that your hair is important to you. <laughs> yes. I found someone who didn't mutilate my hair, yeah. and that was worth trying to find. So yeah. I sent her a message, and I don't remember what I said. I was like, hey, this is James. It's probably been a few months since she's cut my hair. Yeah. And I was like, you got my hair at sports clips. You're no longer there. I was wondering if you're still in the area. I'd come and... Because I also figured to a cosmetologist, that's probably a compliment of yeah. like... I don't want to lose you because you're so amazing. Please don't call the police. (laughs) (laughs) So I send it and then we're not friends. So on Messenger, sometimes you don't see those messages right away. So then it like some more time goes by and then eventually she like responds. And she was very like, oh, yeah, hey, whatever. I'm at Great Clips. So it's like Great Clips in Greenville. So I book an appointment and we go in. Dude, are you kidding and, me right now? And she goes... They told you it was at Great Clips. No, but you I... You had to go through no, some listen. health database? <laughs> <laughs> like, 
I kind of told you how to find this person. First thing you told me. Oh, look up how many great clips there are. Uh, there's four of them. Just call four. Listen, I don't know if she was... This is way harder than that. Months have gone by. I don't know if she was still there, if she was at a different one, or what was going on. Would have started I, there first. I'm pretty sure I tried calling her great clips. Okay. Anyways, so we go in. I sit in her chair, and I'm like... So relieved. I was. Like, She's gotta be here. <laughs> Legitimately, when I like saw her, I was like so happy, right? And I told her, I was like, so Stephanie. By the way, when I got to the point where I found her, Stephanie knew I was trying to find her. I told her how I found her and everything. Stephanie was a little creeped out. <laughs> I think so. Stephanie goes, this is getting to the. A little bit disturbing, the lengths you're going to to track this woman down. And then I message her on Facebook. Yeah. We're not friends. Yeah. She never told me her last name. And then I'm like, hey, remember me? I'm the kid that won't let anybody touch my hands. Yeah. So I tell Coco this whole story while we're sitting in the chair. And she's like dying laughing. I was so relieved that she wasn't weirded out. But she was also like, I'm, I'm a little bit scared. Like... <laughs> Like kind of playing it, right? Yeah, like probably true. It's kind of hard to read her. Of like, I think she's a mixture of impressed, but then also like, oh, scared but relieved that it's me and not some actual creep. (laughs) Yeah. So, anyway, so I'm going to her, and then she moves great clips to like Clemson, and we're like, crap, this is like (laughs) I have to actually follow her. (laughs) But at this point, we're friends on Facebook, so I knew she had left. She Great told clubs. you before she left? Uh, yeah, she told me she was, like, getting her own store in clubs. By the way, I'm... Well, at that point, it's, like, really helpful for her because if she's running her own yeah. thing... Right. She needs she people to drive two hours to get her cut. So, she would, like, she would, like, use me as an example, tell the other customers, like, yeah, I've had some really loyal people. <laughs> like, as even, like, reference the fact that I basically, like, stalked her. That's on her front page. Her <laughs> yeah. Haircut's so good, I'm you'll want to story stalk James. <laughs> Just one of those side, you know, reviews from our customers. Yeah. But now it's got to the point, I actually asked her if she'd be willing to, because this is super lazy of me, that I didn't want to drive to Clemson. Are you serious? And I was like, listen, could we pay you to come to our house to cut my hair and to cut the boy's hair? Because, like, the boys love her. Like, it, she's yeah. She's Cosmica. Awesome. Yeah. She's an anti-coco. That's what they call her. Yeah. So... Um, so she shows up? So she comes to our house now, like every two or three months, and she cuts our hair. And she's been doing that for a few years now. Wow. She's been cutting my hair for seven years. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like, like all the old people were like, you know, I have their barber forever. Wow. Yeah. And I told this her, is I was your like, barber. But I told her, I was like, part of me is a little bit worried that there might have been some like Stockholm syndrome that developed in her account. <laughs> like, She's not actually doing this because she, she likes me. She doesn't want to die. <laughs> she, she knows she can't run away anyway. She knows she can't get away from me because I will find her. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Florida, I'll be, I'll be there. I'll, pay, I'll fly you up. <laughs> it's going to be an expensive haircut. Yeah. So there you have it. So she... I say that because I'm desperate need of a haircut. But now I have to wait. It's not that bad. I have to wait till like May 2nd now. Is your hair like memory foam? Just whatever touches it, it stays in that shape. Memory <laughs> you hair. You see the hair, the hat. I've had it. Well, I mean, you talk about like a cowlick. 
Like, no, it's yeah. I give typically. Bad. I just put hair or water on my hair, and it goes away. I have really bad like bedhead. So when I wake up in the morning, like I have to take a shower and like get everything yeah. totally squared away. Like, yeah, two pounds of uh... <laughs> of gel. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You use gel? I used to. Now I'm using like this powder thing in my hair to try to get it to stop dying. <laughs> yeah, dude. And but Coco was cutting my hair like. Sometime last year, and she goes, "Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm probably not going to take it a short up top. I've noticed a little bit of thinning." She's like, "It's fine. It's just getting James. It's okay." <laughs> I know. She's like, "It's just getting a little bit." Thinner. I need this. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Coco, listen, whatever you have to do. So apparently, though, they have like like hair plugs. Hair plugs are a thing now. <laughs> I'm not going to get hair plugs. I, I would know. try like Rogaine or whatever it is, but not. Does that stuff actually work though? Supposedly. So that's the thing. Like, some people are like Rogaine does not work, and other people are like it does work. What time were we at? That was a thirty-minute story. That's good. That was a good story. Wow. That's what I'm saying. Like, <clears throat> I don't know if it, I do not know what to believe. Like, if Rogaine is like would work or not. Yeah, well, I'll be your guinea pig, so if you, you can, ever start to lose your hair, you can ask me if whatever I used, and if I'm bald, don't use it. You can kind of see how I have, like, it almost looks like my hair is going back. Yeah. But I've had this since I was, like, since I've had hair. It's just called a widow's peak. But yeah. I still get nervous. I look at that, I'm like, dude, my hairline is receding. Yeah. But it's it's been the same. So my brothers have forever. like thinning hair. My dad was bald, like balding. What so. is your okay? So here's the real thumb. I don't know if you've heard this or not, but it's like straight up true. You're like grand. Your no, it's mom's your mom's grand, grandpa. Your mom's, your mom's dad. I'm sorry, mom's your mom's dad. dad. He had a pretty good head of hair. I but, think you'll be all right then. I, I mean, know. I don't think you're gonna lose it. I'm not gonna totally lose it, but it's definitely gonna go thinner. I'll probably have some bald spot or something. Yeah, but like you're not gonna be bald. Not totally bald. No. And my kids will be all right, too, because my grand... My... Well, wait. That's not how it's that works. Rachel's <laughs> Going down the wrong generational line here. But I'm okay, because my mom's um, dad has very... Like, he's, like, in his 80s, high 80s now. He's got, like, a thick head of hair. Wow. It's nice. crazy. As far as I know. I don't think it's, like, thinning or, or a wig. Yeah. All right, so I have a, a separate discussion we can end on. Yeah. It's a little more serious, but not that serious, but also just something that where, was... Where babies go when they die? Wow. <laughs> that got dark. No, so... <clears throat> man. <clears throat> so, so sugar-free drinks getting to you. Yeah. Um, okay, so context here. Um, You're a father. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This actually is some context. This okay. So there's a. Hey, did you? Were you um, involved in the study when at Beth Haven when we went no. through Rejoice and Tremble? I've heard about like all these studies that people have gone through. Were you not a Carrie? part of the church? Through Carrie? Is this through Carrie? It's actually through Phil. Was it during Carrie's time? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was only here for like the last year of Carrie, and he really? took a six-month sabbatical. Oh, you're why you left. I actually asked him. He didn't give me a straight answer. Mm, yeah. I think it was, it was either me you. or my wife, yeah. No, definitely you. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, no. So there was a book we went through called um, 
Rejoice and Tremble. Oh, is that what the study is called, Rejoice and Tremble? It's not a study. It was just a book that we read as a church or like life group and stuff. And it's a very good book. Okay. It talks about a like an accurate fear of God. Sure. So in scripture, there is a bunch of references to like the fear of the Lord. Okay. And I think growing up, well, let me ask you this. What do you think the fear of the Lord means? And that's not like a trick question. To love God. Micah 6.8. Okay. Micah 6.8 says, The fear of the Lord... And this... It doesn't say... This is going to be a long pause. I'm looking it up. Isn't Micah 6.8 about walking humbly, love, mercy, and act justly? Yep. That's the fear of the Lord. What was the fear fear of the Lord? I have no idea. I don't think it is... (laughs) I think it's like, what does what does God require of you? Yeah, but that is the fear of the Lord, is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. That's like the result of the fear of the Lord. Sure. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, I could agree with that. But I think, so like what I always heard growing up, and I'm not saying this is necessarily wrong, I think this guy and the author, it's a very good book, I recommend you read it, but he he even touches on the fact that a lot of times as Christians, we say, we substitute fear for like respect or, or uh, reverence mm-hmm. for the Lord. And while that's true and it can capture a part of it it in scripture this word it, it actually has a lot more weight behind it and it has more of an idea of like awe into the point of like a yeah. physical reaction like it's a it's why he used the word like trembling like I knew, I knew a family growing up who wouldn't let their kids say awesome really because because it like cheapened the word yeah oh, i could say that. god is awesome yeah and so his point is that if you actually have an accurate view of God, you the fear of the Lord, the understanding and, and the um, the awestruck nature, like is who you are before God like that produces, you know, everything in scripture that, that it talks about. And there's all sorts of references about God's love for people who fear him and that he delights in those who fear him and all sorts of stuff. But it really is that just awestruck posture before God. So the question that I asked myself one summer was how do you live your life for God? Mm-hmm. And this is one I was still not entirely sure about like what I wanted to do um, with my future and all of that. And so what me and my friend, we worked together all summer long. We rode in a car, which we can talk about later. Um, and so we had a lot of time to just think about spiritual things. And it was probably one of the best summers I ever had, spiritually growing. And one of the things we talked about was understanding who God was. So the question I asked is, I like to ask questions and come to an answer. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, and I don't remember, maybe this was not exactly the exact question, but basically the idea was how do, if we are supposed to live perfect, pure, and clean, how do we do that? And so, there's many different things you can come to, many different ideas. Well, okay, we need to, you know, we need to love the Lord. Okay, well, how do you love the Lord? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you need to do the right thing by read the Bible. Well, you need to read the Bible, you know, you need to go to church and be with other people. And all those things are good and important. But I think what I came to at the end of that summer, one of the major things 
which is kind of getting into what you're saying here, is the way that you love God and you stop doing wrong things and you do what the Lord asks and teaches is by truly understanding who He is. And if you get an entire, perfectly clear picture of who the Lord is, then, you know, tough questions when you're that age is, what am I going to do with my life? Well, it doesn't matter what you do with your life. Because if you are living for the Lord, whatever you choose to do, I'm sorry, if you are living for the Lord and you know who the Lord is, then whatever you choose to do won't be going against what God wants you or what, I'm sorry, won't, won't be going against what God asks of us. And so it wouldn't be that you're doing the wrong thing because you can't necessarily yeah. because you're just living. The spirit is who you are. You know who God is. You are constantly dwelling with him in scripture and prayer. And so I think the fear of the Lord, I guess, plays a part in that. I never really thought about that side of things. Mm -hmm. I just really wanted to know who God was. Um, Yeah. Well, and I think that's totally spot on. And what was really cool about, so last week when I was listening to this book, because I was listening to it and, and reading it at the same time and highlighting certain sections. And that was, to your point, one of the things he talks about is you, and something I've been meditating on in First John is what is the motivation for doing the right thing, mm-hmm. right? And so some context here growing up, and, and I want to be careful that the light I paint my appearance in because it can be easy to to confuse it one way or another. Oh, I know. They're just horrible people. <laughs> well, so we grew up in a Christian home. We were going to church and stuff like that. I have an awesome relationship with my mom, like to this day. She's my one of my best friends. And Name's Cheryl, right? Yeah, Cheryl. <laughs> Good old Cheryl. Uh, oh, uh, Kathy with a K. My dad would always introduce her that way. So it's Kathy with a K. Got it. So, because Kathy with a C is a totally different personality, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, so, my mom was always very good about like foca- focusing on the word and pointing us to what does God say and, and what is our responsibility to that. The. Harbor growing up was I didn't have a good relation with my dad. The harbor? The hard part. <laughs> the <revation. laughs> Um And so I didn't have a good relation with my dad. And my dad self-admittedly had a, a, an anger problem. And so there was a disconnect there between what the Bible says about God as our heavenly father and then what my experience was as an earthly with the earthly father I had. Right. Yeah. And again, I don't want to. I don't want to blow things out of proportion. I was very thankful for the dad I had, um, but I mean, no dad is perfect. And to your question earlier about well, what's the hardest part about being, you know, a dad? If you're going to say, okay, the hardest part is living with the reality that for your kids, you are responsible for accurately, as, as accurate as you can, portraying God to them. Mm-hmm. Because how you live in front of them will impact their view of what it means to have a father. Right. So then when they, yeah, I mean, it's impossible to fill, right? And so you, it's it's a it's a thing every day, literally, where you're praying. Okay, Lord, give me the wisdom and the ability and the grace today to, in a small way, mirror you to my kids. Is that why uh, Teddy wanted a second dad? (laughs) That's a separate story. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna. Yeah, anyways, so 
I'm trying to stay on track here. Um, so growing up, I go. <laughs> growing up, it was a very, um, I would say, legalistic environment of yeah. like we read our Bible and we pray because that's what we're supposed to do. Amen. And so there was a lot of rules, and and I think to a detriment of we keep rules to stay holy, right? So there was this big, big focus on almost kind of like a fear motivation of we want to keep the rules so we don't do the wrong thing so we don't mess up. So were you able to I argue wouldn't be the right word. Maybe it is. Did you ever have that when you like debated that with your dad? A rule? Did I ever debate a rule with my dad? Because you're saying a rule to you. I need to know who I'm talking to. <laughs> if you want to teach me your voice, use your phone's camera to scan the QR code on the screen. Um, Google pitching in on this podcast. So never mind. I'm, I'm so because you're saying that you're some of these rules seemed really legalistic, so mm-hmm. I'm just curious what his response was. If you ever, you know, so, came to him and said, "Hey, I feel like this." Is more legalistic than actually. Yeah, I mean, we can get into that in like a separate because I mean that's a whole another thing. We, I never really had this realization until after Stephanie and I were married that this is the legalism was what we were growing up like. I held to this view until we started having kids, basically. Of like, yeah, this is what Christianity is. You keep the rules to keep God happy. And that's what makes you holy, essentially. Like, even if I wouldn't have verbalized that, that's what, how I was living my life. So there was really never any, like, real heartfelt passion or zeal. And I always envy people who would have, like, this really close relationship with God. Because I was like, my perspective was... Zero emotion. Yeah, my perspective was very much fear-driven of, like, well, I read my Bible and I pray so that God stays happy with me. Because I'm motivated by fear, right? And so then you couple that, uh, a very heavy focus externally on um, rules. And uh, don't get me wrong, rules are rules are good. Every family needs to be disciplined. But I think to a potential pendulum swing too far to one side right now, we're, we're so focused on this that now that's kind of what we're depending on for our behavior and, and, and what's going to result in us living the right lives. And so you have the big focus on that, and then you couple that with having a father who has self-admittedly an anger problem. My view of God growing up for the longest time was God is an angry supreme being who is waiting to strike, and it's my effort that keeps him at bay. Okay? So, and we can get into, like, it was really when we started to have kids and, and through the preparation for that, as Stephanie and I were having more conversations where the Holy Spirit started to show me there's actually a lot more grace in salvation and through the gospel, which changes everything, right? Okay. Well, let's just say we're, we're getting a little bit off track because there is something that happened last week I want to talk about. And you're like falling asleep anyway. I'm sorry. I'm getting off track? <laughs> <laughs> I'm no, I'm not saying you're getting off track. I'm just saying, like, those are all interesting topics. James is getting off track. Just I am getting off clear. track. I'm not blaming you, Seth. Okay, so 
I had one thing to say, though. Yeah, go ahead. So, in regards to, like, your Bible reading and all that, I remember... So, I may have... uh, I I might have felt that a little bit growing up until I heard... You ever heard of um, Chris... Chris? What? Um, Chip Ingram? Yeah, we would listen to Chip Ingram. Um, When I was going to... I'd have to commute to Morrisville State, and it's 45 minutes one way. Mm Mm-hmm. So every morning I would listen to a Chris, uh, Chris, Chris, Chris Bingham, uh, Ingram, yeah, Chip Ingram. Ip, you need to go to Ip bed. Chingram. Chip Ingram, and he once preached a message about the Spirit living in you. He said, it "Doesn't matter. God doesn't get upset at you if you miss your devotions in the morning." I was like, "Wait, really?" Yeah. He's like, "It doesn't matter." He said, "But you do miss out." So that was a. That's when I started to really think about legalism. Yeah. Um, and that really, something like that really, really helped me. And I could go in very much into depth in that as well. But I'll let you continue. Well, we, should, we should do that in a, in a separate podcast. We should dedicate a whole yeah, podcast because, to that. Because there's not enough Christian podcasts about legalism. I think, I think we should put one more into the fire. You can't tell if you're being sarcastic. I am very sarcastic. I don't know if there's a lot of, I don't listen to a lot of Christian podcasts. Neither do I, but... <laughs> Anyway. So how do you know this? Anyways. Okay, so in this book, because uh, part of the reason I was reading this book is I remember we had started it and then I don't think we were able to make life group when we were going through it. But I remember being being struck by the title of like, well, okay, rejoice and tremble for like the fear of the Lord. Because the fear of the Lord for me had always been like a negative fear yeah. of the Lord. Um, but he talks about in order to have this to build, to cultivate this fear of the Lord, you have to be amazed or like, I don't remember if he used the word amazed, but basically you are in awe, in awe of God as creator. Okay. And then in awe of God as father. So the first piece of it is in awe of God as creator. And this is something that happens for a lot of people where they're in awe of God as creator. But if you don't layer in the, being in awe of God as father, then you stop at creator and there's no, um, there's no redeeming aspect of God's nature. There's no connection. Yeah. There's yeah. There's not the personal relationship side of things. And so, so when you're growing up, you felt like you more saw God as a creator versus a father? No. I saw God as father, but as an incredibly angry father mm. who was always waiting for me to mess up or always disappointed in my lack of ability to live the way he wanted me to live. Explains why uh, Israelites just would go from country to country ravishing people. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, continue. Anyways. So, um, I was listening to this book last week, and he was making that point when he was talking through, like, being amazed at God as Father, and, and how, like, you really have to have that Understanding, if you're going to have this proper fear of the Lord, and if that's really going to motivate you to live the life that God's called you to live, right? So, I was we were, I was praying and, and having time with the Lord, and was really begging the Lord to show me. Okay, you have to show me that this is who you are, like because I know this. I have this head knowledge of like. You're literally like you're falling asleep. You look so tired. I'm actually pretty engaged here. Okay, so 
was literally asking the Lord, okay, I I have this head knowledge of like this is who you are, this is what you said in your word. But so, as far as so prove it. But as basically, but as yeah. far as like transferring this to what I actually believe and or experience, to, yeah, or experience, and you have to change my understanding, my okay. perception, like change my reality. Is right? this when God brought me into your life? Yes. Then he brought <laughs> you, and he was like, "Look, I'm so merciful. I waited till now to expose you to death." No. Okay. So that was literally my prayer. Even like praying through, like crying, literally crying out to the Lord of like, I want to experience this okay? because I know this is critically important to my walk with you and to having that awe and that fear, right? Like you're, I'm engaged. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. Okay. So that was Wednesday, last week. And we rewind a little bit. You remember the school shooting that happened in yeah. Tennessee, right? Covenant that, school. that affected you. It turned to me a lot. Yeah. Because usually when you hear about school shootings, it's like a public school sure. and it's like a lot of like whatever it may be. And, and the, any school shooting is tragic. But when it's like, okay, this is a private Christian school. Man, that ice maker. <laughs> this is a private Christian school. It's kids. Yeah. A little bit older than Titus and Teddy. Yeah. Like super like hit close to home. Like okay. we're dropping them off for school that day or the next day. And it's like, man. So it really makes you like feel for those families. Like it really impacted me to the point of like when I was driving the boys to school that next morning, like was just praying for God's safety and protection. And then mm-hmm. on the way home, like really heartbroken for those families of like, yeah, they didn't get to bring their kids. Home. Yeah. Like just, yeah. it was a normal day for them. And then it turned into this absolute tragedy. So, um, that was a couple weeks ago, right? So then Wednesday last week, crying out to the Lord, asking him to show me him as a good father. Okay. Right? Friday of last week, so two days after, I am on Instagram. And you might have seen my story I posted. Yeah, the rainbow. Yeah. So Covenant School meets again for chapel the first time, like three weeks after the shooting. And before they start their services, they're met with a massive rainbow, even like a double rainbow, just out of nowhere, hmm. just gorgeous, yeah, bright the whole time they're meeting, right? So I was like, oh, I saw that, and I was like, oh, that was so cool. It was like encouraging to me of like, yeah. wow, that must have been an awesome like experience, and reminds and, you of who God is. Yeah, and so I I had the initially when I saw it, it was like, wow, that's so cool for these people, and like God using his sign that like the rainbow has been taken over by, you know, homosexuality and everything else in that agenda. And then God uses it basically like redeeming it to say, no, like I am still God. Basically of the rainbow. Yeah. But then like in that moment, it's such a small thing, but also a huge thing. Cause you put your, put yourself in the, in the position of those parents who are like sure. grieving their, of their kids. Yeah. And then, for that to happen, such a clear sign that only God can orchestrate that. So it wasn't until like I saw that and then I was like meditating on it, thinking about it. And then it kind of hit me of like, well, that was God being a good father, Hmm. like to these people who were just in the midst of their grief and just absolute lowest of low. Right. Um, and then it wasn't hit me until like I had literally prayed, crying out to the Lord two days earlier. Show me this. Show yeah. me. And then knowing that even like t- three weeks previous that I was personally connected to that story, 
and was like praying for those families to be comforted. So then when it hit me of like, well, this, yeah, this was for them to be comforted. But then it was like also secondarily, I feel like something God using directly to answer what I had asked for. Hmm. Like I had that moment of awe and like actual trembling of sure. like, wait, like, you under- hold on. You have a glimpse of understanding of who God is. Right. But never to the, I think that was the first time to the point of like an actual, like, because of something I directly asked God to prove, hmm. which I think is something that I want to tr- try to do more of. Cause I think I don't typically pray that way or, or ask God to like show himself to me. And not that it has to be like a, a grand gesture or anything like that, but to actually have something that was very important to me to say, okay, I'm literally pleading before God that I need this to change my reality. And then in two days later, and you could say, oh, that's coincidence or whatever, but it was like the Holy Spirit using it to confirm, like, I am a good father. It was very cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Very. <laughs> so I think that's... Um... You're like, James, you're imagining this whole thing. No, no, I, I, I uh, think, I think that's really good. <laughs> you're um, so I have tired. A, I have a lot of, no, I have a lot of different thoughts. Okay, um, go for it. I do not think we have time, but. Sorry. Okay. So. Our only time constraint is your energy level. Well, that was you last week. <laughs> that's it true. ended quick enough. So if you ask God to show himself and he shows yourself and he shows himself to you. Yeah. You have to be careful yeah. about how you about how you have to be careful and I'm trying to figure out the best words to say this, but you have to be careful about what how that affects your faith. Yes. And there is my sister-in-law, and I'm not going to be able to explain her testimony very well. Um, I can give my testimony, but I'm going to give her as an example. She was an unbeliever um, um, all through middle school, I believe, or all through middle school, I believe, and um, in high school, she was an atheist. And she prayed what you prayed. Mm Mm-hmm. Because she had seen God in some negative light and and wanted at some point for God to show who he was to her. And I'm probably butchering her whole testimony. Whatever, yeah. come on and share it. Um, she's a really, very um, good speaker. But I remember her her specifically talking about realizing that there are many times in life where God chooses to not show himself to you. And she, as far as I know, couldn't get past that for a while. Mm -hmm. And it was very detrimental to her faith. Um, And so when I hear that, it makes me very encouraged. Yeah. Obviously. 
and especially for something so tragic and so evil like what happened at that at that point it was it sure seemed to me like it was god just saying hey i'm still here i i love you yeah and i care um but why but but constantly building your faith by saying god show yourself to me yeah my question to you then is what happens when God chooses to not show himself to you in how you want him to. That's a good question. So I would absolutely agree with you. I think there are some dangers. And I'm not at all trying to yeah, take away no, anything no, you're saying. No, totally. I, this is who Seth is. I play devil's advocate. No, I play devil's advocate the same way, so I totally understand where you're coming from. No, you don't. I play it different. Well, I play it better. <laughs> you're demon advocate. I'm supreme devil. Oh, jeez. Fine. <laughs> I think... Here's where I think there's a, a maybe a subtle difference. My intention in praying when I was praying was well, there, there was no ultimatum. Sure. There was no like, you have to do this or the Bible's not true or you must not be this way. It was more of a legitimate of a kind of reaching to the end, like a, a frustration really with my own perception of... And knowing why my perception is what it is and knowing that God is in control of the circumstances around my childhood and the father I had and, and what I believe to be, you know, how I got to where I'm at. Yeah. And then hearing and, and understanding and seeing in scripture evidence of that, well, in order to really build this fear of the Lord, you need to have a, a real understanding of so God as father. And so the prayer was more about, I want to see you yeah. as you are. Hmm. I believe I have the faith that says this is who God is. Mm-hmm. And I, I understand that. And it is something I have to constantly go back to and say, no, this is who my God actually is. But then having that real experience of the actual goodness of God mm. played out in a very, and, and it wasn't even like a, when I was praying that it wasn't even like, oh, here's what it might look like. Oh, sure. It was more just a, and I was even thinking like, well, there might be a passage I come across in scripture or something that I would, and that has happened, but it's not like, I didn't have any idea of what it would look like for God to do that. And that's why I said, even when I saw that, it wasn't even like right away, like, oh, this is God. It was, it literally felt like the Holy Spirit, like almost reminding me that I had asked because mm-hmm. it was two days later and it wasn't even something I was like actively like, well, when's God going to show himself, right? So I think there can definitely be a danger if we if we approach God with this with this understanding of you have to come to me on my terms mm. of like it's not enough for for you to have given me your word or given me all these things but I need this this and this and this you almost kind of get the the it reminds me of like Gideon right he keeps yeah, bringing the sure. fleece before the Lord and he's like do it like this do it like this right and I think there can be some danger there but I think there's also an element of while well, God can choose to not reveal himself in certain ways for whatever reason, God can also choose to reveal himself or to answer prayers like that because he chooses to hmm. and because it brings him glory or because it does help strengthen faith or because it does, whatever it may be. Right. I think 
and I'm not I'm not just like gonna like pass judgment all these cases, I think what might be the difference between the two is maybe the heart um posture behind the request. And not saying that my request was more genuine or better than what you know she might have asked, but it was it was legitimate like I want to know you and experience your goodness in a real tangible you as a good father. Yeah. Sense. And that's what I'm that's what I'm saying and that's I believe is what she was asking for. Yeah. Well, I mean that could very well be and And so when God decides to go silent on you for whatever God's purposes are in life. Yeah. I just think I'm just saying just saying James. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that my thought was your faith has to be real at that point as well, I guess. You can't totally be relying on... And I'm coming across like I'm... I'm trying not to come across like I'm, like, destroying your... No, this wasn't God. I'm not saying going anything like that. So, just one little thing, and I'm not saying this is what she was doing, but it reminds me of Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek... If you seek me, you will find me when you seek with all your heart. That's what it was. I forgot to tell her that. Okay. Now, I'm, I would never tell it to somebody and go, you're just not seeking me with all your heart. Yeah. Right? I am not going to judge anyone's sincerity or position before the Lord when they're beseeching and then making a request like that. We need to talk about Red Link. Right? <laughs> yeah. Next episode. Okay. That's our topic. And that's a very interesting contrast, right? Because you almost get this sense if you listen to Red Link's talk about their dissembling their faith. I think it was Rhett who talked about, like... Begging God. Begging God, right? But I got the sense listening to him. Again, I'm not judge. I don't know his heart. That it was like a... You're judging him. If you... From my perception, if you don't do it, then you're not real. I'm trying to say that one more time. Well, like, Rhett almost (laughs) seemed to take this posture of, like, if you don't show yourself to me in this way, then I can't believe what the Bible says. Yeah. Right. He was looking for a way out in some cases. Yeah, it, it kind of get it kind of gets that feeling. And so, I don't know why God works the way He works. Yeah. What I do know, you need to lose weight. <laughs> just kidding. Oh my goodness, this has gone to some fat shaming all of a sudden. <laughs> what I do know is that the Holy Spirit is our advocate and is our comforter, and the. Bible also says that he's here to remind us of things that we know, hmm. right? And so I think there is something to be said, I think, for a request that goes from your heart in communion with the Holy Spirit through the access that Jesus Christ gives you to God the Father to experience God in a way that aligns with what the Bible says and what the Bible would affirm as something that we should desire and then there being a reciprocating response to that of through the Holy Spirit allowing that to happen. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I think you have to be very careful with that type of request and that type of mindset. But I think it could also be to a detriment where we think, well we can't pray that way because what if God doesn't answer it? Do you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where it's like I don't think we should be necessarily afraid of having that type of desire to say, God, show yourself to me, right? I mean, you Mm -hmm. see in scripture where Moses is like, reveal, I want to see you, right? Mm -hmm. And then what does God say? 
don't, you don't want no anybody. man can see me and live, yeah. right? But then God still honors his request and says, but I'll allow my goodness to pass before you. Hmm. So God could have shown him anything, his justice, his power, his whatever, but he said, I'll allow you to see my goodness. And that was what Moses was able to behold. And then look at how that strengthened Moses to do everything he did for the Lord. Hmm. So I think there's something to take from those instances in scripture where people have this desire crying out to God saying reveal yourself to me God says no one can see me but I'm going to show you my goodness like it's almost like he's like eager to show that aspect of himself off in a way because it's also the goodness of God that brings men to repentance and so I think as Christians we actually are probably lacking the type of heart cry that says God I want to know I want to experience you and your goodness specifically as my good heavenly father, not to prove what you've said in scripture, not to say, okay, well now I'm going to believe and obey what you say, but so that I can get a taste of what this relationship actually is. So I can actually be in awe of you. So I can have a proper fear of you. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that's something that I think would align with what scripture teaches as a healthy thing. And, and I think, yeah, you could, if you're depending on God to answer and to reveal himself in that way, then I think that's an improper expectation that God doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. And he's fully within his rights to say no. And you're still fully obligated, if you will, to accept that and to still fear him. Right. But I think it's a, it's a difference of, You'll, if you seek me, you'll find me if you seek with your whole heart. And, and God's not trying to hide himself. Mm. He wants to reveal himself to people who want to know him. Right? So I don't, I don't know. I, I, I could definitely see the danger in, in it. Well, no, I think you explained, <clears throat> I think you explained well what, what you, where you're coming from versus approving. Yeah. Desiring to know God. I, I mean, that's kind of what I was talking about in the, in the you know, when I was uh, referring to that summer when I was studying. If, like, I want to know who God is. Yeah. And just yeah. grow in that so much that that is who I become. So Yeah, and I think that's the key to everything, right? Because in what I've been reading for Sean, and I think if you, what was unique to me in the time of all this was there was this, there was this, thing that's prompted from the Holy Spirit that my motivation for obeying God still wasn't quite right. So in the journey of sanctification in the past five years, it's been changing my view of God slowly, right? Through things that the Lord has brought into my life and through kids and marriage and everything else. And so we it come into a proper understanding of, okay, well, the grace of God when you mess up and you're not you're not living the way you should, right? But then there was still this growth that needed to happen and still happening of well, what's the motivation behind why we do those right things. Hmm. We understand the grace now where we have the forgiveness and the mercy and the, and the room to fail, but how do we then keep from failing? Right? Okay. Well, it's not fear. It's love. Well, then how do you grow in this love for God? You grow in the love for God from growing in your understanding of who God is and then it's not just a head knowledge of who God is, but it's an actual awe, physical reaction to understanding who this God is, right? So, 
I think it's cool to see God who has begun that good work in you then continuing to do it and then using certain things to almost like accelerate the process in certain cases of because I mean there was literally the moment of like when it hit me just falling flat on my face and sobbing like what happens when you get by a car (laughs) (laughs) no but that's I mean that's very um I don't know. Maybe it was it was different for me because I'd never gotten to the point of like having just that desire and then asking with whatever the right attitude or whatever it is, you know, and then for the Lord to actually answer it, even though he didn't have to. Sure. I think it was a very powerful. Yeah. Well, I think when you're in the spirit um, and walking with the spirit, you can see when the Lord is, is revealing himself to you. And it changes how you live your life dramatically. And it changes, um, yeah, like it just changes uh, the, like you said before, the spirit prompted you. So it changes how you look at things. Yeah. Totally different. That's why I'm canceling this podcast. It's the last episode. (laughs) Fine. This is too much of a distraction. The fame. Do this with my wife. You don't have the recorder. (laughs) I'll steal it. Anyways, thanks for listening to my yeah monologue. Next time we'll uh, maybe get into written links. I'll have to read That'd be an interesting. Yeah, I didn't need to listen to that. I have, I have listened to. I have a big story around that. So okay, that'd be good because I also have some thoughts. Yeah, but I would love to hear yours. Wow! All right, man. Longest episode to date. Is it really? Mm-hmm. After you literally just got done telling me we can have to keep this up for an hour. <laughs> Death, I'm. I want to take a moment to acknowledge. I'm very proud of you. It's eleven o'clock at night, and you stayed awake <laughs> and engaged. Yeah. Well, this was interesting. So easy. You're like all those other stories. I could care less. But we should have more of these type of conversations. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna head home. Um, but I'm excited for do you, you want some, to listen to them. Do you want some sugar-free drink for the road? Won't keep me up, so why? <laughs> It'll make you sick, so then you'll yeah. feel nauseous and you'll fall asleep. Because you won't be comfortable. Puke on the way. Yeah. All right. All right, man. Appreciate it. Hey, yeah. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>